0: So I've been sitting on this episode for a couple weeks now. I recorded it with Austin, and we just got going for quite a little while. We started talking about different things and how he approaches stuff, how I approach things, and just had a really good conversation. And that conversation ended up carrying on for quite a long time, so I was pretty hesitant to... Um, upload an episode that long. So, I've been really busy over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you guys all understand with Thanksgiving and all of that. And plus, I got a bunch of tests here. So, it's taken me a little while to sit down and figure out a good place to break up the episode into a couple of digestible um, pieces. So, this is going to be a two-part series with austin and i and it's a really good one i hope you guys enjoy it hope you hopefully you get a lot out of it if you have any questions for us hit us up on facebook or instagram i don't know austin's um, facebook or instagram but i'm sure he's pretty easy to find if you follow this i'm sure you probably follow austin he's he's a heck of a shooter and. Uh, Right, what, three days or four days before we recorded this, he just got off winning the uh, Golden Bullet at the Precision Rifle Series finale this year. So, he's a heck of a shooter, he's a great guy, and hopefully you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, welcome to the Mythology Marksmanship Podcast. I'm Morgan King, and I'm here with the brand new uh, Golden Bullet winner austin bushman how are you doing i'm doing good how are you man i'm i'm pretty good i just trying to get studied up for my test so this is a good break that does not sound like a good time no definitely had better even getting (sighs) kicked my ass kicked by you was better than this yeah i i hated to do that i was rooting for you whatever shut up don't don't lie (laughs) that's one that's one rule on this show you don't lie <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well i uh you laughed all the way to the finish
1: line i i i, I remember at one point. that uh, jeff geary was like tied with me there at the end i would have been way more stressed out had i realized that i knew matt caruso was a shot uh ahead after i missed one but I had no idea that like Jeff Geary was a shot ahead and he shot right after me the whole match. And so then somebody came up to me like 30 seconds after I finished and was like telling me that. And I was like, what? And yeah. then they're like, Oh, he just missed a shot. So now you win. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea either. Um,
0: Chad comes over and says, he cleans the stage. He wins. I'm like, no way. And he says, yep. And this is halfway through him shooting. And I'm like, so I'm like hanging on every shot, like trying to figure out what's going to happen, you know? It's exciting. But uh yeah, and then when he missed, he's like he's like, Well, he's got him on skill stage, so he's won. So Yeah. Thank but, goodness. Yeah. But uh I remember at one point we were sitting there, we we're we we're about halfway done. And I remember I remember uh hearing the um the other Austin I I hear him say, Well, at least you're humble. And then I hear the, the uh the other Austin you go tried that once didn't work
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i, I could come off as a really arrogant guy most of it's just a uh, just for fun i guess i think it's funny to, to act that way but in in reality i don't i don't think that i really am but i love uh, i love joking around i love the banter at matches i love giving guys uh, a hard time Whenever If I really, really know a guy well, I'll give him a hard time even if he's having a bad day. So that's how you... And if if I don't know a guy well, then I really back off and I'm nice to him if they're having a bad day because I don't really know how they'll react.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that. That's like... um, Talking shit's my favorite pastime, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, outside of talking, you know, that's probably number one. But then talking shit is number two for sure, at least. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I love it That's why when I heard I was like man That's my guy right
1: there <laughs> Oh, There's nothing wrong well, with that Are you uh You're back home And ready to go for another season
0: Yeah you know I was talking to uh, Brian Neese about this I shoot with Brian Neese a lot I don't know if if you know him But he's from Idaho out here And I shoot with him quite a bit and we were talking about this. Um, I feel like some guys, like they go shoot a weekend and it's all they can do to shoot. Well, not, I mean, it's a blast. They they go because it is a blast, but it drains them. Like it drains me physically and mentally. But then as soon as I get a, a, a wink of sleep and rest, I'm fired up and I want to just shoot more and more and more. So it like builds on itself. So yeah, I want to shoot a lot right now. Anything.
1: I oh, I picked up a gun again today for the first time since Sunday and shot. But I, I went and cleaned my my match rifle. I went and shot a coyote this morning, so that was nice. Yeah. Uh First set, first, first right at first light, coyote came right in. Me and my buddy we shot him, <laughs> and then we basically just packed up and went home. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> our job is so, done. Yep, and then uh, loaded up some ammo for my 6.5 PRC. I'm getting it ready for deer season. Oklahoma deer season starts in a uh, a week, I think. So, Man, 6.5 PRC, or, I want one of them. Kind of bad. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's work in progress. I just chambered it, and I haven't put enough rounds through it to really get to know it. But What I've bullet do you use or in that gun? Well, if I could get bullets, I would probably try the heavier burger hybrid bullets, but I haven't got any of them or I haven't found any of them. So right now I'm using a 130 uh, burger, the AR hybrid. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, those 156s kind of are the ticket in that PRC, I heard. I know yeah, they're the, the ticket one,
1: in the 6.5 Creed, but. 130s are shooting good, and there'll be plenty for a whitetail. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll, uh, definitely kill one of them
0: your your 109s out of your dasher will do the same thing probably though
1: that's true yeah yeah white tail they're not quite near as big are they oh they're they're pretty i don't know some people think they're hard to kill i've always said that they're they're just waiting for a chance to die it seems like they just you know you put anything through the lungs on one of them and then they just get one last adrenaline rush and they're done i think
0: that's almost every animal I think most people, yep.
1: anybody that says they're not they
0: they don't die, just hasn't put a bullet in the right spot usually. Yeah. I mean, what do I know though? Yeah. Uh. So that so, whitetail season is coming up. You say?
1: Right, rifle season in Oklahoma, yeah, it starts in. I think the nineteenth. Wow, so it's like just the end of the rut. Or just after, uh, almost a lot of times that a lot of times, at least here in the panhandle I don't know about the rest of the state, but they'll start rutting. They won't be really rutting that hard when the season starts. And like at the end of the it's eight days here for a public land hunting where I hunt and they'll be rutting harder at the end of it than they are at the beginning. Wow. That's pretty wild.
0: That's you, you don't hunt you don't hunt deer in the rut out here.
1: They don't, they don't let you do that. Well, yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they basically put, uh, Our rifle season right in the middle of the rut. That's crazy. Yeah. They don't do that here because the muleys get stupid.
0: Like, you can damn near pet them. They're dumb. Yeah. They're fun to go watch and stuff, but yeah, they're dumb. We have
1: some big mule deer here. I've only ever shot one, but. You do have some muleys there, huh? Yeah. There's some. Oh, yeah. There's some big mule deer out here. Wow. Can you get tags for them or is it the same tag? It's the same in uh, for Oklahoma for the Panhandle. I'm all the way at the west end. This is not a lot of places in Oklahoma have mule deer, but we're I mean, the west end of the Panhandle is the foothills of the Rockies, so we got Yeah.
0: we got so, some big mule deer. So how far are you then from uh So I didn't know that. So how far are you from um uh, well, I'm going
1: to come up with a name eventually, but the Raton? king of yeah. That's like I've got a, a family membership there at the uh, Whittington Center. I and figured. I go there fairly often during the year. It's it's about 2 hours and 45 minutes, but that's, it's an awesome place. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know that. So you so you're you'll go down for those one MOA type matches that they have there that I've heard about.
1: Yeah, they have what's called the sporting rifle match and it's 10 stages of just troop lines that's what I thought and I call it when I take friends uh that shoot PRS just like shoot regional matches and I'll I'll tell them this is troop line university and you get one shot per target so you don't get to double tap anything and there's six targets per stage and so it's just six shot stages and 10 of them and it's it's a ton of fun
0: dude I didn't know that so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to figure out a way to go down there for that because that that really it. that really does sound like something where it would almost be worth like f- organizing a class to where you go down there shoot shoot for a couple days with some students and then um,
1: and then um, shoot that. I'm sh- I'm sure you'd be exceptional at it. It's a ton of fun. It's uh, guys that are good at troop lines and PRS just eat it up, but. It's uh, some big targets, some small targets, so even new people can get some good hits in. But you know, with only one shot per target, you have to, you got to really learn how to take the information from that target and go to the next one. Yeah, which
0: that's that's huge in troop lines. Which it used to be. I'll be honest, I I used to be, and I still am, and I'm 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 really good at positional. I feel like that's like my what uh that's what I really loved for long. That was my first love in this game, shall we say. But then as I got going, and honestly, troop lines started getting more popular everywhere. Like, there was always, you know, a couple targets. But there, there are sometimes matches out here where you would have no more than three targets on a stage, but a lot of just like one and two target stages. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much almost everywhere except for this little strip right in the middle of the, the states called the Bible Belt or the Corn Belt, whatever you want to call it. But that's uh-huh. where all the troop lines were, you know, and they've slowly been dispersed across country. And now I feel like the West Coast is um, pretty much, I would say, pretty, pretty, pretty similar in the concentration of of those. But, man, uh, when when I started shooting more of those, it, it it definitely is. I, I feel like, and I and I I'm sure plenty of people will disagree with me, but it's it's uh almost more fun than the positional because it, it's more of a thinking
1: game. I I used to be pretty scared of troop lines when I first started because they're hard. There's, yeah. I I, oh an average shooter can get you know five or six hits out of ten almost all the time, and a good shooter can get uh you know seven eight nine hits every time but there's a, a step up to the elite shooters who are going to get nine or 10 every time on a troop line and that's where you go, got to get to on a troop line yeah but it's i just think of troop lines it's a totally different art than or or knowledge based on the rest of prs uh positional shooting and things like that it's its own thing and to me it's just pure precision and that's what i love about you know the sport is the precision aspect and you Troop line is just you usually prone or modified prone and just you and your rifle trying to figure out how to hit tiny targets. And I, I love troop lines now. Yeah. Did I lose you?
0: You there? Yep. Oh, okay. I thought I lost you for a second. <laughs> oh, good. no nope, I'm still here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. And I think, I think, That, like, liking troop lines and being really good at troop lines. I feel like you have to be able to be very proficient in positional. Um, in fact, if you're elite in positional, it can, uh, it can scab over a little bit of weakness in the, in the, uh, in your troop lines. But, man, because I feel like there's a lot of, like, and, and I don't know. This is, this goes into, um, me thinking about what makes shooters a really good shooter is good, you know what I mean like uh what makes you good what makes like or good what makes clay good you know what i mean like i and that's not just the the only list of the good shooters I'm just thinking out loud, but uh yeah I feel like that for and and taking me i thought i thought for a long time like i i i know I was uh, very elite at the, uh, at positional, but my troop lines, I was good, but I wasn't, I wasn't like really good. And so, and it took a while for me to, for me to figure that out. Cause I would, well, and it, and it took me analyzing stuff afterwards, like, man, I, and, 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 there for a while. It was like, when we go to a match, we would kind of go back and forth the whole time. And I would keep track of his score. And, uh, it, we, uh, I would beat him on almost all the positionals and he would beat me on all the, all the troop lines. And it was only by, we'd either tie or I would get an edge on a, on a positional and we'd tie and he'd get an edge one on troop lines. And I'm like, okay, so I got to figure something out here. You know, I got to figure out these troop lines.
1: I've watched him shoot a ton of troop lines over the last few years and he has got to be like the all-time great of troop lines he's so smooth and it's he's just a machine on troop lines oh yeah yeah no he's good there's I mean and there's a
0: handful of guys that are so scary good at them but and figuring out the thing is is getting the difference so I feel like to be like you you said the average guy can go get a five six I I would say probably six or seven um, on a troop, maybe, I don't know, 5, 6, or 7, right? Average yeah. dude. He just shows up on a hard stage. You know, they're all .4 or something like that, you know, and he's going to get 5, 6, or 7. Obviously, sometimes he's going to clean it, whatever. But I'm just saying average, if he say he averages 6.5 on his troop lines, then that guy getting practicing a little bit and getting to where he averages 8, that that's doable. Now getting to where you average nine and a half, that's that is a whole different realm, and it's more subtle changes. I feel
1: like. Would yep. you agree? And it's, yeah, and I think the guy that can average an eight knows what to do pretty well, and just applying the the general logic and rules of shooting a troop line a hundred percent of the time. Is what gets you, is what is hard about it. And uh, applying, you know, applying your knowledge of how to shoot a troop line on the clock fast when you're under pressure is what's really hard. And that's what gets you up, you know, to the elite level. So you said an interesting
0: uh, little statement there. You said the um, rules and, what did you say there? the rules and something uh, uh, logic logic of the troop lines. What is that?
1: Uh, well, I think that most of the elite shooters could probably agree on that. Like some general rules, best practices, maybe is a good phrase for shooting troop lines. And they're not like, if you, if you, if you wrote it all out, it would be just obvious stuff, I guess. But the hard part is then a, you know, applying it 100% of the time on the clock. But I think, uh, well, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, if you hit a little bit to the left, aim further to the right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's one of the rules of troop lines, right? 100%. So, so I guess uh, the first key to that whole statement, though, is knowing where you hit. So to me, one of the big, the biggest thing about troop lines and one of the things that makes somebody elite at it is they're gonna have a really high percentage of their shots where they correctly identify where it landed, whether it was a miss or a hit on the plate. So that's step one. And then they're gonna uh, make very accurate corrections to center, and then whatever method they use to correct their wind holds for the next target, they're gonna do that very accurately as well. And that's really all there is to it. You've gotta have a, you gotta be well-practiced at spotting hits on the plate where they landed. You've got to make really accurate corrections to center. And then you've gotta be very accurate at taking that information to the next target and making the correction, you know, whatever change you had to make in your wind on the first target, you need to make that change to your second targets dope. So there's different systems for that, but that's the general, you know, stated very simply, that's the general plot for shooting a troop line accurately. So, so let me see, you got,
0: from what I gathered, you got, you're basically say, boiling it down to three simple things, right? See where you hit, make your correction to the center, take that information, make it a wind call for the next target. Yes. Okay which I think that's that's right. And then and then how you do all that that's a that the that's a conversation. That's three separate conversations, right? Yes, which we can definitely I feel like we we should dive into that a little bit. Um Sure. Quite a bit, but uh first I, I we talked about um kind of doing some rapid fire questions so that people can kind of get to know Austin Bushman. I feel like um, you've been on several podcasts because you've won everything lately. <laughs>
1: uh, so uh, I've, won, I've, I've gotten, uh, I've got, I was thinking about this. I've gotten fortunate at the big matches when it, when it mattered. And um, like sometimes it felt like that others missed when it mattered most and that, that I just barely stayed consistent enough to eke it out at the end.
0: Hey, that's that's what makes champion. That's not eking it out. That's winning. That's that's how it's
1: felt sometimes. I mean, I oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Shots is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. But good luck if I'm showing up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it can't be done with the with the level
0: of competition we have. I know. Yeah, it it's not just me. If you if you back off one shot, somebody's there. Yeah, literally, it almost happened.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah, I, I I get it. I mean, little things happen, you know. I mean, I've had I've had I've had issues come up and bite me, and it makes a big deal when it matters most. And dude, it's it sucks. But one one day I'll figure out how to how to beat you when it matters. <laughs> but well, it hit me with these questions. Either way, before we go, I just I just want to congratulate you because it it is a big deal. Like it's I, freaking cool.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a, it's really a dream come true to, I mean, it's a goal that I set two years ago. I failed last year. I, I got it done this year and I just, it was one of those things that's like, you can set that goal and never achieve it and try as hard as you want it. And I realized how fortunate I am to, 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 you know, out of all the top competitors to just, uh, have it go right this year. Oh, 100%. I,
0: I know all about, um, the fact that you can keep trying and trying and trying and it just doesn't happen. And, you know, you yeah. just, the only thing you can do is come back and do it again, you know, which you've done. And, and I'm highly jealous of you cause you've, you've, you've got it done. So it's, it's a big deal. And then congratulations. Um, yeah. Which and before and I I just want it to be noted that that you so far out of the eleven except uh like or is it ten. Ten accept acceptance speeches right for the Golden Bullet,
1: you've given the all-time greatest so far. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's, something I I hadn't made my goal but I'll take it I guess.
0: Uh, like a hands down you won that one by ten points for sure at least probably fifteen or twenty.
1: I've been that was my 5th finale. I'm not sure I can remember any of the other speeches. I so, can't. I'm just impressed that you remember them. Well, I don't like remember a lot but
0: I about them, but I remember how kind of how they went. Like Austin's first one was decent. The second one <laughs> was better. But, you know, like it's still you <laughs> can you can it it's not like I get it. Like what do you say? Well, you came along, you knew what to say. Like and and cuz I had I mean, I don't know, you, uh, it's a, it's like one of them things where you don't obviously prepare for it unless you maybe did. And if so, kudos to you, but like, you know, there's a, there are some elements like that you got to put in there and you, you hit them all. You, you were concise, you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good speech.
1: I had every year whenever I listened to somebody else give that speech. I thought, man, what would I say if I had to give that speech? So, I had you know, at least put that much thought into it. But driving to the finale, I, I thought about it a little bit too. I was like, what if I win this and have to give a speech? The Shannon <laughs> comment was was gold.
0: <laughs> that, that was, was the a, best
1: part. Oh, uh, the of uh, naming uh, Amy Lynn's baby Shannon. Yeah, it's a girl.
0: Yeah, you're like you're uh, like I agree, Amy. That that Shannon is a beautiful name if it's a girl. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And you look right at him.
1: <laughs> he liked it. Oh yeah, Boy, it well,
0: it strokes his pride too. I mean, like you're talking about him, it's great. Which yeah, you know, we're all that way. You know, it's a it's a fly, it's it's a it's a dig, but also it's it's a like a a term of endearment type deal. You know, it was great. <laughs> it was it was good fun. I I I really enjoyed it, and you. You uh, you accepted it well, so I was uh, right. I was impressed. Um, anyways, so first of all, I just want uh, want to go through here, uh, let's see what what is your or do you listen to the show?
1: Yes, yeah, I've listened to. Uh, how many episodes have you done? I've probably listened to about ten, maybe maybe. Yeah, somewhere around 10 i I've probably listened to as far as complete episodes. Well, I'm sorry. I hope you didn't fall uh, asleep. No, no, usually I listen while I'm reloading or while I'm driving to a match or or on a long road trip, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been good. Yeah. I've taken, i I took all of your secrets and used them against you.
0: Well, good. I'm glad somebody's getting something out of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't have mm-hmm. much secrets, you know. But
1: no, not anymore.
0: No, no, it's all out there, right? It's all out here. Um. So, and now,
1: just walk me through real fast. What do? What's your rifle setup? Okay, so I actually I've got a really special action. It's a left bolt, right port, impact precision action. Um, I noticed that. I had left bolt, right port actions before. I. And I loved them. It's like my all-time ultimate setup for an action. And I figure if you're getting a custom action, it might as well be custom, right? So yep. I finally got Tate to make me one, and that's when I switched to Impact when he when he made one of those. So and the thing has been flawless. Uh I've got a foundation stock, uh, nightforce a scope, uh, ace muzzle brake, uh, use a Bix and Andy trigger, uh, the Taxport Pro. Uh, let's see. I generally use uh, Weebad wee bags. Okay. Um, thunder beast bipod. I don't see a lot of those that matches and I don't know why I really like it, but anyways, that's, that's pretty well my setup. Oh, I use the uh, thunder generally beast. use. I was going to ask what? that you use the thunder beast bipod, huh? Yeah. But most of the time I, I keep a Harris in the backpack. If I'm going to shoot off a prop, that's not wide enough. The thunder beast has a wider stance than the Harris. I'll, I'll, Realize that before the stage and swapped to the harris but most of the time i like the thunder beast yeah uh rifles a six dasher and i usually use Bartline barrels okay um let's see what scope you got did you already say that it's a night force uh seven to 35 which reticle? the mil c yeah, that's my guy right there. Yeah.
0: If I'm gonna use the night force I'm I, I, I just can't I haven't been able to uh wrap my mind around why somebody would wanna stare through the fishnets, you know. <laughs> like, like the the mill XT's got way too much for me. I mean the the PR two's almost too much, you know. It's kinda just, yeah. like just just enough out of your way. So yeah, that mill C is a pretty good reticle. It is. Um Let's see. Uh so now have you shot any NRL hunter matches? I have not. Dang well. Do you ever
1: um have you ever thought about doing that? I have thought about it. I I don't shoot that many matches during the year. Like I think I went to seven two day matches this year, with PRS matches and mm-hmm. I feel like so. I'm, I'm really competitive, and I if I've got to budget my time at matches, then and I'm in the points race, I'm going to budget it all for where it matters, if that makes sense. Yep, no, I completely understand. I'm just the type of guy that likes to
0: go to all matches, and I don't really care who's putting it on if it's a good match. I'm like, in but no, yeah which how how heavy is your
1: uh, 65 PRC
0: going to be that you're building right uh
1: now? it's a carbon barrel and a in a really light stock it's light it's it's like somewhere around 10 11 pounds. okay yeah so you'd be ready to go for that that's that's with a super heavy scope on top i've got a 7 to 35 night force on top of it right <laughs> now so <laughs> yeah so it, it's light so
0: if you guys guys, guys that are listening yeah you may have no- or uh, noticed in that introduction that he is using, uh, well, he is from Oklahoma, and he is using an Oklahoma rifle because uh, he's got the Impact Foundation, a dasher. But the only thing that's different is, is he does run Night Force. Everybody else runs. Uh, I think you. I think it's like a rule or a law that you have to run tangents if you're from Oklahoma, and then there's <laughs> one guy, and he won the whole thing with a Night Force. So. Maybe there's something
1: to it. That probably just means I'm too stubborn, and I probably you know, could have won by 10 shots if I'd switched to a tangent. Who knows? But I don't know if you can win by 10 shots at KM ever. I'm stubborn and cheap, and that's kept me from upgrading.
0: Oh, I 100% agree. Other than I went the other way. I went I went tangent to a Leopold. So I'll, I'll, I can buy two scopes for the price of one. Actually, more than two now. Yeah, you can. It's crazy. I, I just cannot believe how much those cost, but that's, it's not a show about this. This is a, we got to uh, figure out um, who Austin Bushman is and why he's whooping everybody. <laughs> um, So how, uh, how many rounds do you shoot a year for practice?
1: Usually about 2,500 rounds of practice. That's,
0: that's pretty good. I, I like that. Um, how many do you shoot at matches? Well, you, well,
1: we already, we know you shot seven, right? Yeah. And I shoot a couple one days when I can't really love one day, like regional matches. I have more fun at those cause it's not stressful. Uh, how many, I probably shoot an extra, f- well, I might shoot more than that in practice. Actually I shoot about 6,000 a year. So I guess everything that and well and I go to the AG Cup and the finale. I didn't include that in my two day matches so uh, it's about half and half practice and versus matches yeah probably just a little bit more at
0: matches i imagine probably yeah. 30 35 ish at matches yeah. and 25 at practice that that sounds right i i maybe i kind of in the summertime if i get practicing a lot i will well i i end up shooting more matches like double that so yeah. At least I have the last couple of years, because I kind of feel like when the, you got to make hay while the sun shines. And so when I'm out of school, like I go to a match every weekend if I can, because, well, let's be honest, I, I mean, I don't make a lot of money doing it, but I, but I definitely don't lose money going to matches. Yeah. So, uh, I will, I will, uh, do that at least the last two years in vet school, because I can either go work a job for, uh, 10 bucks an hour. Or I can um, do this. It's been a whole yeah. lot better doing this. Yeah. So, um, let's see. What percent of um, practice rounds are prone versus positional? Is it
1: good? Uh, actually, probably like 80% of my practice rounds are from prone. Um, I sh- When I... Actually, I, I'm not necessarily practicing. I don't, I call it practice, but what I actually do is I go lay down. I've got a little tower that I built where my shooting range is, and I'll lay down prone and just try to hit tiny targets and make good corrections. And I just enjoy, like, it's just fun for me. It's not practice. I, I'll i shoot at 400, I'll shoot at 600, 800, 1,000, 1,200. And it's just super satisfying and, and kind of relaxing to, go out and shoot and be able to hit a one MOA target at 800 yards or a sub MOA target at 800 yards. It's just fun.
0: I like that. I'm, uh, I definitely are more, um, positional, but I've gone, I've gone to more prone lately. Um, just for the same reason, making corrections and stuff, which, you know, I mean to be fair I try to do it in positional as well so like if I'm practicing certain things cuz I feel like I got to be figure out how to see it while I'm positional
1: too but yeah I I feel like I, I do a lot of dry fire practice before a match I, not a lot I do a little bit of dry fire practice before a match and that's all positional and I feel almost feel like not wasting rounds off positional because I know what I'm trying to practice for positional is breaking a perfect shot and I know whether I did that or not with a dry fire, I don't need to be sitting around downrange to know that I broke a perfect shot. Yes, I agree, and I don't agree at the same time.
0: And and I guess, which is fine, we can do that, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the, only, the only reason I say that is because there's a physiological response that is going to happen to an explosion happening two feet in front of our face always. And so I, I try to train that out, which you can yeah. – to a point. But I swear every time somebody shows up, and if they don't realize it, it's crazy. You know, uh, I was listening to the podcast you and um, Chad and Francis did, and, it, like, you're talking about watching Ghadarzi and not blinking. And yeah. I we all do that. I don't care what what you say. Like, we will all end up doing that. But we dang sure won't be doing that on the first stage. Like, the first stage, usually we are, like, at least a couple of rounds, we're going to blink so, most of the time. I feel like, yeah. Um, but then after you get by that, then you're, then you're kind of good. And, and, and maybe not to the same degree as Gidarzy Gidarzy is like a freaking
1: cold-blooded animal. He can shoot yeah. like crazy. Like I've never thought about that. Maybe that's so it's funny. You mentioned that I've, I've wondered before, like, why do I shoot worse? Why do I, why can I not see my shots as well in the first stage of the day? And maybe that's part of it. I've, I've always just chalked it up to I'm, you know, going into it cold or I'm nervous for the start of the day or, you know, maybe my breakfast hasn't kicked in. and I'm not that energetic or, you know, I've never really been able to pinpoint it, but I don't first first uh, stage of the day. I don't generally shoot as well. Yeah. And see,
0: and I notice it because I sit and think about it while I'm practicing and I'm like and I can feel myself do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh you know in in to keep your eyes open so i've been i've been this is something i've been thinking about quite a bit just as of lately i've known i knew it's something that's happened for a long time but i've been thinking like how do i get rid of that because if i figure out how to get rid of it i'm going to be able to figure out how to how to stave it off even during a match if that makes sense so yeah. uh i've been going to th- try to figure out like what can i do during practice or what type of technique or mental things do I need to do right off the bat? And I don't, I don't have an answer, and maybe I won't, I never will find one. But yeah, it's it's just a physiologic response. It's a defense mechanism, right? Yeah. Um. So we'll do things like that that we don't even know, but we dang sure won't do it when there's dry fire because we ha- we are at no harm. If that makes sense. Right. There's no danger present and there's no like big boom that's gonna hurt our ears and all that type of stuff. So I, I do think good ear pro helps there too. I've noticed that I'll double my ears and a lot of that will go away some. Yep. So that's my that's just me thinking out loud. Sorry. Didn't mean to hijack that. But yeah, that's 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 interesting though. I I do think that's cool that you practice um prone. And then so you say you got a tower where you practice?
1: Oh, it's just a little. Yeah, so my, I've got a shooting range just outside the town where I live, and uh, it's just some berms I pushed up and a bunch of T-posts I hammered in the ground in front of them and a little wooden tower I built. So it's if you've ever been driven through the Oklahoma Panhandle, or for, for people that don't know, it's as flat as a pancake out here, and it's usually hot. It's not very humid, but it's hot and very windy and so the tower if it's if there's no mirage I'll just stay down below and just go prone. If there's most of the time there's a lot of mirage so you got to get up out of it if you want to get any useful data. And so yeah, I can I can go outside of town, shoot 10 to 20 rounds and you know, call it a day
0: which in, for people that don't know where you're from you're like the ho- all the way west in Oklahoma
1: so you're like next to nothing right yeah i'm in the middle of the Oklahoma panhandle right in the center so the little the little piece of land that sticks out to the left directly uh, above texas yes so that's you'll you'll hear some of the oklahoma guys call me the panhandler that's uh that's where that comes from yep yep, yeah yep that's uh which I mean
0: that's pretty cool, cool little area there. But yeah, you're how 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 wide or tall is that little spot? My tower? In, or? No miles. I'm just trying to think of the because it's oh, it's only like it's, 50 miles, isn't it?
1: It's like 35 or 6 miles tall, and <laughs> it's about 100 and I don't know 150 miles long. The Panhandle. Yeah, yeah I knew I knew it's not real like.
0: You can dang near chuck a baseball across it.
1: The hunting license situation is the worst, right? So I go like 15 miles north and I'm in Kansas and I go like 20 miles south and I'm in Texas. And so if I want, you know, like the the person living in the middle of Oklahoma gets a lot more bang for their buck with their Oklahoma hunting license because they've got hundreds of miles around them where they can go hunt. And here, like I'll have to get a Kansas license if I want to go just a few miles up there with some friends if i want to go to texas i got to get a texas license anyways i'll just that's just my rant on the hunting license situation no
0: i know exactly what you're talking about because i live on the border of of idaho and washington right now and uh i live in washington but i'm like two miles in and so i understand not not to the same degree i don't gotta buy three but well kind of because uh I also am a Utah resident, so I gotta buy two (laughs) non-resident two non-resident licenses.
1: It's horrible.
0: Yeah, it's stupid, but whatever. I but I feel your pain. So yeah. Um, How tall is your tower? Now that we're talking, since we're on the height.
1: It's uh, about fifteen foot up off the ground.
0: That is. That's I, I, pretty cool. That's a cool dynamic that we don't have to deal with as much. I mean, it's flatter here in Washington than what I'm used to. I'm used to being able to go to BLM ground on a mountainside and just shoot some rocks, trigger dope, you know, good to go. And you know, here none of that. I just today went shooting with uh, um, our church. Kind of got together. Um, a bunch of the um, dudes in in the church got together, and we all shot there's like 30 of us went shooting guns and which I don't I'm I'm new up here so I didn't really know anybody so I'm bringing out guns and they're all just like they're just staring at me like who are you it's like alien <laughs> <laughs> like I just show up with this little white truck and then pull out a like they had pistols and ARs and I pull out an AR and they set all this stuff up and then I shot it all <laughs> real fast <laughs> and then they're like son of a gun and then I pull out my 2011 and then do it again. They're like, "Wow!" And then pretty soon they were all shooting my guns. But it was a good time. Uh, but I so now I think I might have a place that's a little closer I can go
1: shoot. Nice. Yeah, it's better. It beats an hour drive. Yeah, that's. I don't know what I would do. I'd I'd have to move or something if. I don't know. I just I thought about that. I was like, man, I've got to have a place. And before I had my own shooting range, I I was just found somebody befriended them. And, uh, you know, a lot of people around here have wheat pasture or something and they didn't mind me putting up T posts with targets on them and stuff like that.
0: That's essentially what I just found. And I'm going to, uh, he's been nice enough. He's, he's like, yeah, you can come out here anytime. And I'm like, please don't let me abuse you, but I will. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I understand. Um, now, okay, so I, if you only had one target, because you got up your place and you say you could only put up one target, what would it be, and how far, and everything?
1: If you could only put up
0: one target, I know you don't want to be in this situation, but say you say you are.
1: Wow, that's tough. It would either be really far, like at a thousand yards, or uh, but that wouldn't work out. I mean, I'm going to have to say like 600 yards. Okay. I'm I'm really I'm about there with you too.
0: What it what it what is it? How's it hung?
1: I'd uh, hang it on top of a T post, a single just a little metal hook that goes on the top of the T post. It's so simple. Yep. And I would just probably put up if I could only have one target, I'd probably make it gigantic. Serious? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like big meaty targets for it's easier to get information about how your rifle's grouping and and also you get you know one trip out there to paint it you get more use out of your trip out there to paint it because uh see and i just don't paint them i put them small and don't paint i've gotten i've gotten where i I paint them a lot less but sometimes whenever i'm trying to really true up a rifle and see you know where i'm hitting i like i like painting them and seeing it but yeah i don't probably 600 yards and Man, with with you making me pick one target, it's tough. Because otherwise, I'd pick a really big one and a really small one. But well, I guess that, that
0: I I guess I'm just referring to just just to practice on. Like you got all your targets, whatever. Let's just say outside of like truing your gun and all that type of stuff, you already you you, oh. some, you have some way to do that. But you but here oh, we are. You have okay. one target you practice with.
1: Oh, it'd be a one MOA target. Okay how far well I whatever distance I so usually the, the, the targets I shoot the most are four inch at 400 a uh, probably an eight inch or a six inch at 600 and I've got a little TYL rack at 800 that goes 10 eight six and I've got a 10 inch plate at a thousand that I shoot a lot I
0: like that because um, that's I mean I feel like we're all the same. That's why when you said a thousand, I was like, man, I wouldn't do that. The only reason I say that because meat and potatoes is six hundred yards, right? Like that's that's what we do. Yeah. We should be between four hundred and eight hundred yards. That's like that's that is our workspace. Like that's 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 where we make our money, right? Yep. So I I I totally agree, and I. But yes, yeah, so you so I'm guessing you prefer small targets, right?
1: Yes. For, for practice. I mean, it's way more satisfying to hit the small ones and that's how you, and, and then really it's way more satisfying. I mean, I miss them a lot. Yes. That's so it's, what's way satisfying. I don't care if I go out every time when I go out there, I try to pick one of the one MOA targets and fire my first shot at it. Just, you know, get my gun out of the truck, set it up on the bipod, go prone. And I don't care if I miss that shot, but I have to hit the second one. That's like, Okay. You know, I'm kind of upset with myself if I don't hit, if I don't hit the second shot.
0: I like that. Cause that's how people ask me how to get better at calling the wind, you know? And I, cause I, I guess I never really had thought about it much, but until later when I started shooting and I tried, started trying to get better, I'm like, man, how do you get better at figuring out how to call the wind? And, uh, there was something I used to do because I, I mean, I got into this game for hunting, right? Uh, That's what that's what uh, led me down the path to be here, and so when I built my first gun, it was all about hunting. I didn't even know what PRS was. I had no idea, but I had this seven mag custom rifle that was set up, and that was my hunting rifle. And I would go out and I would shoot at least once or twice a week with this thing, and but I would only shoot five to ten rounds every time I would go out. Is all I would shoot, but I would show up. I would pick a rock. I remember I would pick a rock at because I shoot I back then I would shoot pretty much exclusively rocks because that's all I had and uh, I'd pick a rock be t- you know whatever a hunting distance type deal so anywhere from for me it was like between 400 and 1000 you know and I would I would uh sit and read the wind and try to figure it out and and then I would just take a shot and I wanted to get to where I could hit those rocks on the first shot and then yep. do that, and, and I think that's why, because people are like, because I went to my first club match, and I was like fourth, or whatever, which, I uh, I mean, I, you know, I didn't think I was wanting to win, you know, but then there was other people that I, w- I went with, like Paul Higley, he's like, you little bastard, you know, because <laughs> he, he's like, I've been going to these for a long time, and haven't done that, you know, whatever, and, uh, Anyway, I think a lot of that I, I attribute to doing that. So I, and I think what you're doing by going out and doing that is, is really good because you're just – you haven't shot anything. You have no information yet, and then you go do that. So I think that's su- super
1: wise. Yeah. I think I would emphasize to anybody that's like for PRS, uh, there's a lot of uh, attention given to like your first round, your first shot of any stage. But it's not that important compared to making corrections. Yeah, it's you know it's an important skill, but that's one shot. The next nine are are you know what you uh, corrected off of that first one. So if you can make good corrections, there's a ton of matches I've been to where you could have missed your first shot on every stage and won the match.
0: Yeah, I've 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 like used this scenario. I don't know how many times because I'm like, man, if you think about this for just a second uh if you cuz elite i think win calling is the first shot right that's your that's your first shot of the day that that's those are those or not the day the first shot of the stage that's yep. that's where most of the win calling is yes it's it's a little easier as the day goes on cuz you're getting information as you go but whatever so let's just say, take first shots and if your percentage of first shots is high you those are going to be the more elite win callers so if you take like an average wind caller, let's say he's just 50%, but a, an elite wind caller is 90%. The difference between that, 50%, that guy hits 10 of 20 first-round shots. The guy that's 90 hits 18 of 20. That's only yep. an eight-point differential. Uh, so even if you're just better than I, – and I don't think that's average. I think the more or less it's somewhat towards the bottom. I think average more like 70%. 60 yeah. to 70%. So it, the differential is going to shrink to four to six round um, differential in just being elite at calling wind. But if you can just get to where you, you just suck at calling wind, or, well, not not the, not the you want to get to there, but like if you suck at calling wind, but if you can just make the corrections and do everything else. So I, I, I don't know. I just tell people because they're always worried about wind, and I'm like, that's not the thing you want to focus on. You want to focus on the other stuff. And figure that out because that's gonna give you so much more faster, and then the wind calling the wind will kind of come, but if you wanna get better at it, that's the way you're describing is a is about the only way I think you can actually test yourself is by doing yep. what you do, and so it's worth some points, especially when they're won by one point here and there, yeah, um. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty uh I think that's a pretty good little insight there. Um so what is your which um yeah, what is your biggest weakness right now if you have one?
1: I think my biggest weakness is uh is probably time management. Uh and so I'm I'm pretty good at shooting fast. But I can get to where I'm worried about the clock too much and I, and I shoot too fast and cost myself some points. And I've, I've noticed that all season long and I've tried some things to practice it and get better at it, but we're shooting like for the last six matches I've shot. It seems like it was 90 second stages and it's just hard to get, you know, to me, it's, it's hard to get good at pacing myself and using all of the clock. And I think that's my bigness, biggest weakness right now. I've tried several different ways to put a timer on my rifle or a timer, just a wristwatch even. And I haven't found a way that I've liked enough yet to use it in a match. And I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna figure it out before next season starts. But I haven't, I I don't like putting stuff on my gun and like having stuff hang off my gun. I don't have a dope card hanging off my gun anywhere. I, yeah,
0: I've thought about this. Just, Because you're you're the only guy in the PRS, at least that I know of, that shoots elite with one eye. Well, you only need one eye.
1: That's what's wonderful (laughs) about this sport for me.
0: (laughs) Which 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 you 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 can you have the other eye, right? You just can't see that great. Yeah, so
1: I tell people I'm so, and it's mostly blind in that eye. It's not completely blind. I've got colors and uh, stuff, right? Thank goodness. Yeah, I've got uh, some peripheral vision, like if somebody's walks up on my right side i'll probably see him you're not like a blind horse
0: that's gonna freak out if somebody taps you on your right your uh, right
1: shoulder (laughs) it's just if i look through a scope with that eye i can't even see the crosshairs
0: which we we all know um now and i'm sorry already because i forget i forgot your name but uh norwegian or no he's yeah he's norwegian with one eye gunsmith did you meet him
1: no, I didn't. Somebody told he me put about a ret- him. Oh,
0: he's good, dude. I I feel bad because, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've, I've messaged him a few times and um, talked to him. Well, and he actually bought my chassis after we we're done at the the world finals. But he's yeah, he would pop in before he'd shoot. He'd pop in a reticle in that eye. And what he's was his left, name? He's left, dude. Don't ask me again.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh. <laughs> Uh, so what I was gonna say is I, I'm thinking about it. I'm sure I did meet him. Like, oh, I, I know you I, met
0: him, but you probably didn't yeah. even notice it because I didn't. You don't really notice it until he pops a reticle in there, and then you're staring that. I mean, you're look. That's what yes. you're looking at, and you're like, oh my gosh. Because and and the thing is, that's the eye you and I look in when we look somebody in the eyes because we're left-handed and he's left-handed yeah. and he's left. Obviously, only has one left eye, so, uh, he. Like, when you look him right in the eye, that's what you look at. That's the first thing. So if you're right-handed, I can see how maybe you, it, it wouldn't trip you up as much because you're going to look at the right eye or the left I've
1: eye. I've never noticed that. I've never – I am right-handed. I don't, I've never noticed – But you're left-eye dominant. Well, I, I am now that my – I was, you know, up at – so I had an accident when I was about 14 years old, and that's when I lost the vision of my right eye. But uh, – and up until that point, I did a lot of shooting sports with my right hand. And then I realized real quick I needed to switch to the left hand, left eye because it wasn't ever gonna work out again. Yeah, no, but... it
0: was over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh anyways, yeah, I've never noticed that like I look at one eye or the other in particular.
0: Well, it's just because if you look at the right eye, you're you're kinda like not looking at the middle of their face, if that makes sense.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're looking out of the, well, I am looking out of my left eye pretty much all the time. So I end up, you tend to look at the, at the right side of
1: somebody. Yeah. And, and so people, people tell me all the time, like, Oh, that must've been hard to like transition from one eye to the other. And it actually was not it, whenever you lose vision in one eye, the other one immediately, like your brain immediately switches all. It just says like, that one doesn't work anymore. Huh? Yeah. It, yeah. It was, it was like immediate that my left eye was dominant whenever that happened. And it was very easy to, to do things then with the left eye. Wow.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. And I, and you know, I hope I'm never there, but uh, It's impressive what, what you do, but the things that we don't think about, like I say, we is in everybody that has two functioning eyes. Like I don't, I don't, I run stuff on the side of my rifle. And I know you have it for, like, because you think it looks gaudy or something like that, right?
1: I I don't like – I just like my rifle to be nice and sleek and clean and not have stuff hanging off to get snagged on stuff. And I don't know. That's how I always hunted before I shot PRS, and I used my little dope cards inside the scope cap. If anybody's ever seen my rifle, I use a little uh, dope disc that's a piece of paper. And they clip inside a Vortex Defender scope cap, just perfectly, because a Vortex Defender scope cap has uh, these little like notches on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so I've got these little pieces of paper, and they're double—they're printed double side on right and rain paper, and I can just pull them back out right on the other side, put them back in. But anyways, that always works well for me because it's right in front of my turret when I look up at the turret. Oh, really. Yeah, I just – but, you know, to get to the point, I guess I just – I haven't found a spot on my rifle where it really is convenient to put a timer of any type. So, I've because I've thought about
0: this since we've talked, um, because, I mean, what do you do? The only thing I can think you you could do, because, I mean, if you put something there on the offside, you're obviously not going to see it. You're going to have to pull your head off the gun to see it, Yeah. right? Yeah. So – the only thing I could think you could could do is on your left hand. Have You ever seen those uh, swimming uh, timers? Yeah, I've got one. I actually bought one and I've been like thinking about you know different ways to use it. At hunter matches, I'll use it just like a swimmer would. I'll just put it on my on my dominant finger, and then yeah, and then I'll just just hit it and go. And then it's there, but it it's not like it's in your way. It's just like having a ring on your pointer finger.
1: Yeah, and that—that's your trigger finger. Yeah, but it's out of yeah, the way. I, I just—I don't know that. Bu- that bothered me. I thought about that, and I was like, Nah, I don't want it.
0: I Put thought it on about your, getting the it- other thing. I thought about doing is putting it on your middle finger, and you can start it with your thumb still.
1: Yeah, and and then then it's there on your middle finger. Those are like the coolest tiny timers that I found that are digital. I've also thought about using an analog watch with a really big, bright second hand. And where you can just pull the knob out to stop the second hand when it's straight up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and then just tap the knob in when the stage starts and it starts the, the clock. So then you would just have to glance down at the second hand and see where it's at.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what the best way is. I Well, actually, I do know what the best way is, but uh, you're not willing to do it. But what rings do you run? <laughs> I have Hawkins rings. Oh, see, it's so easy. You just throw a throw a rail on out front and then um and then you can take it off. That's cuz I don't like having a timer on there too. I put one on I put a dasher together last night to go shooting like I said um with them guys cuz I I had a fresh barrel. Um so I was just trying to break it so I have two broken in and ready to go. So I put another one on um and then took it out to shoot it and um, I put a, t- I, and I also mounted up a new scope to put on there, and when I did that, I was like, man, I should put this timer of Chad's on there and stick it on here, and then I immediately was like, I can't do this, like it, it just can't live there. Like I, I, I understand what you're, the what, yeah, you're, what you're going through because I, I, I hate it as well, but like, there's two thing, there's one thing, like I used to never have anything. Except for I would put that timer on if it got tight, you know, and then. Yeah. But then now I've I've been using that uh, send it level, but I don't use it like everybody else does. I use it to where the lights are right underneath my dominant eye, which that would be yeah. something you might be interested in too, because. Uh, I, I, I can't use the send it level out my weak eye, which I, I could, but I don't see any point when I I could look at I can look at a bubble just as easy right? Whether it's yep. in my chassis or it's on the scope. So I'm like, why would I spend $300 or 200 and something dollars on a, on a, um, a red uh, on a uh, level that just blinks at me? I don't, uh, to me that was dumb, but yep. when I got the Brandt built deal where I can run the fiber optic cables and then it g- goes on that, um, the ocular housing of my, of my scope that, that changed my whole opinion. I was like, Oh, I got to have one of those. And so now the lights are right on the bottom of my ocular housing.
1: That is cool. I wish somebody made it a real sleek. Oh, uh, I wish it was really sleek and almost unnoticeable. And it was just like your scope cap slides onto your eyepiece and my, it is pretty sleek, but uh, I need to, but... I need to check it out sometime, but the timer deal, I'll figure out a way. I mean, really it just comes down to i just need to pick away and practice with it and it'll work yeah no
0: yeah of course i just i i, I do i do understand what you're saying cuz i i still even have a tough time with that i won't look at that timer until i'm moving or transitioning like i won't like look at it and then look back to my gun cuz i'm like i'm not going to take my mind off of that so i used to do so and cuz i barely started running the timer like it's only been like 6 months but before that, I would just ask for time every time I would transition, and people would always make fun of me because I'm like, "Time, time, time." But I'm like, I don't think you guys understand. Like, it's not taking any time for me to do that. I'm just saying, what is my time? And then I'm yep. and I'm keeping going, and then I'll hear it in my mind, and then I know how much time I have. It's not like it's like it's not. I'm like I'm stopping, asking for time, and looking at them. No, it's like I'm just transitioning, and I want to know. I say, "Time on the last shot," as I'm going into that position. And they'll just give me the time on the last shot, and that's all I
1: want to know. Yep. It's, up it's... until, up until this point, which I've realized a couple of months ago, I needed to just figure out a way to get a timer. But up until this point, well, I never asked for time because I don't want I don't want something else to think about while I'm on the stage. I assume that I'm going to shoot uh, as quick as I can with with really clean shots. That's kind of my strategy. And if I finish in time, then I do. And if I don't finish in time then I was still, you know, doing it the fastest I could with clean shots. But Ben Gossett pointed out to me, like, uh, since he started running a timer, he said, well, a lot of times I'll get close to the end of the stage and realize that my last two shots, I don't have to rush them at all. I've got, you know, 15 seconds to take two shots, and then I can, then I can, you know, it's, he said, like, relieves all the stress at the end of the stage. And I was like, that, that's a really good point, and I could – I could still shoot the way that I do and and have that to look at at the end of a stage before I you know go to my last position.
0: And that's exactly what I do. So like on the stairs and the tank trap, I remember I went to my last position, and saw 21 seconds or no, that was the culverts. I saw 21 seconds and and I like completely just calmed down because I'm like, "Oh, I can, I can make three shots on this in in 21 seconds, no problem." Now, on the tank traps, I was shaking so bad. I could not believe I cleaned that stage because I could not. Like, my face, it was like, it was a like, I think it was a blood sugar thing because I went and, well, I hadn't drank anything yet because the water was non-existent at that match. <laughs> it was crazy. So, I'm sitting there shaking. I heard
1: you complain about it like three times. It's because I, I just was,
0: laughed. well, <laughs> what an a-hole. But, <laughs> but I was like, well, because I didn't bring a water bottle from Utah. Like, I mean come a long ways figure they're gonna have water there but I was wrong and so anyway so I'm like freaking out and but I literally my my hand was sh- like shaking in my face that was the worst part my face was just uh I remember Rudy come over and says you all right because he's like I was watching you and your whole like he's like your legs were locked and everything but your just whole body upstairs was just quivering and I'm like trust me I know I was trying to settle that and it wasn't settled. And you
1: still cleaned it, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know how. I was wobbling I was, the uh, whole target, wobbling the whole target, I, trying to settle. And I'm like, I can't settle. So I just have to make a perfect shot. And hopefully my natural point of aim gets it on the target.
1: And I was solid as a rock and had drank a bunch of Gatorade and water all day long. And I still missed two. Really? Oh. So, yes, I missed two on that.
0: Oh, yeah, that, that, I I mean, it was, I thought it was a. I don't, I'm not gonna say it was an easy stage, but I didn't think it was too bad, unless you I, didn't unless you were wobbling like I was wobbling, and then it was extremely difficult. I feel like.
1: Well, I finished. I finished with a ton of time left. See, that's so, one of those ones. Yeah, but one of the ones I missed was early in the stage, and I probably would have done that regardless of a timer. But yeah, I just I just squeezed it off a hair too fast while I was not 100% ready to. You know, I wasn't really locked on the center of the target with my hold, and I, and I knew it as soon as I pulled the trigger. I was like, well, that's that's a 50 chance, and didn't work out. Yeah.
0: Well, that's uh, that's all right. Uh, <clears throat> if you didn't miss those, you'd have made me look worse. So it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's see.